welcome to Personal Best, the show where we entertain, inspire, and inform you about all things fitness, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Brian Dalek. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the show, an interview with Keone Hudoba. Keone is a fitness legend in New York City. He's a master trainer at Barry's Bootcamp, which is a boutique studio with locations around the country and the world. But Keone took a long, interesting road to get where he's at today. And that journey began in large part as a college kid when he weighed in at 327 pounds. Keone was born in Hawaii and grew up loving the stage and performing. He went to the Shenandoah Conservatory in Virginia for opera. And it was while he was at the conservatory that being morbidly obese finally became an issue. That's when he began to take the steps to lose the weight and found a new passion in fitness. After transforming his body, he spent the next four years performing on the stage for Disney and Royal Caribbean, but eventually he decided to pursue fitness full time. He moved to New York City to become a trainer, and since then the gym has really become his stage, and it's safe to say he's been a huge hit. Keone has been a group fitness instructor at Reebok Sports Club New York, SoulCycle, and Equinox. In 2010, he created the Drenched Fitness Method, a full-body torch session that combines plyometrics and martial arts, and he launched that at Equinox. In 2012, he co-founded and created Psych Fitness, a super high-energy cycling studio slash interactive performance show that features endurance and weight intervals set to music. And that same year, he became a sponsored trainer for Under Armour and was named the best trainer in New York City by The Village Voice. In 2015, Keone became a master trainer for NBC's Radius Fitness, a multi-platform fitness and wellness program. And today, Keone is a master trainer at Barry's Bootcamp in New York City, and he is also a regular contributor to Men's Health magazine. He's on the magazine's fitness council and has his own signature workout in the Men's Health app. Every day, Keone lives and breathes his mission to help people live healthier lives. And he knows what it's like to live a lifestyle that just doesn't feel right. And he believes everyone has the ability to transform and improve his or her life. It's a message Dean Statman knows very well. Dean is the brand editor for Men's Health Magazine, and he's known Keone for several years, having worked with him at NBC and being a regular at Keone's group fitness classes at Barry's Boot Camp. The two got together recently to talk about Keone's journey and what it's taught him. Dean began their conversation by asking Keone about his recent trip back home. Keone, you were just in Hawaii. Just in Hawaii. How long were you there for? Two weeks Man. of heavenly bliss. I feel like you've been back a lot recently. Yeah, I love going back home. I think for me, it's just clarity. It's like a point of, I think in New York City, it's a jungle, but it, it like constant, constant grind. And then when I get back to Hawaii, there's just a lot of, I see things much clearer. Do you think it's the fact that it's Hawaii or just that it's where you're from? And it could have been anywhere. I think it's both the fact of where I'm from and also the fact that it's just paradise. Like, for me, it's never ch changed since I was a child. Like, they play the same music. Like, Coolio's still very cool there. Like, 
the one strap overall like they do it all there and it's still the same the same hawaiian music they play the same stations play the same thing the same bars are there the same restaurants so it's like it's literally just going back like blasts of the past when i was younger wow so taking back to your childhood a little bit tell me what it was like you know early keone like starting out in hawaii just like family school give me give me the picture of what it was like growing up so i think growing up Especially with my parents, both my parents, so my father's Polish, my mother's Hawaiian. Um, Growing up with those two different backgrounds, I think really set an amazing foundation for myself. I think my father's definitely more of like the strict, like by the books, this is how it is. We were were a Catholic family, still are a Catholic family, not were. Um, And then my mother was just more of like the laid back. Now, if you looked at them, you would think the polar opposite. Mm. You would think my mother was the very strict and my dad was the very laid back. But my mom actually was the laid back one who was always the one who was like, let's just explore things, just the island mentality. And I think that was, that for me kind of set my tone of where I'm at even now at 34 of, it's kind of just go with the flow. I don't let things necessarily, especially in this crazy city, like stress me out as much as I think other people would. I'm definitely a type A person. I definitely get that from my father. But at the same time, I listen to my body. I listen to myself. I allow myself to go back to Hawaii for two weeks to give myself clarity Mm -hmm. and to give myself a reset button so that I can come back and teach classes or do any other projects that I'm doing with a clear head instead of just everything being clouded because I'm constantly on the go. Um, So I was just saying that even today, like I do things that I did in my childhood. I go and see things. I have a checklist. Every time I go back to Hawaii, it's just revisiting a checklist. And also the ocean for me Mm -hmm. as a kid, like I love the ocean. I love the outdoors. And like I love camping. I love fishing. I love doing extreme stuff. I love cliff jumping. Like Mm -hmm. those are things now that I, as a kid, would take, advantage of but like now going back and doing it it's like magical for me it never gets old i can go on the same hike over and over again and find something new to explore on it which i think is incredible yeah and you you have this seemingly endless well of energy you're one of those people who just is like (laughs) always on always seems to be happy and i know that you know sometimes you're teaching what like five six seven classes a day yeah and you somehow managed to keep that energy going through Do, do you think that going back to visit your roots routinely is a way of hitting that reset button because it sounds like with your checklist you almost have it dialed in to like a recipe like this is how you prolong your energy do you feel like that is a part of how you're able to maintain you know such a consistent energy level such consistent identity I think the thing that keeps me where I'm at and I also said this about the stage like when I was performing I left the stage because it for me was no longer a passion of mine. I was doing a job. Mm-hmm. I think for this, it's the same thing. If fitness were to become a job for me, I'd no longer think that I would pursue fitness. I would do something else that was a passion of mine. I think a lot of times people get stuck in jobs that they are just doing to work for the man and they're afraid to take the leap. And mm-hmm. I think my biggest, even a motto that I live by is like, don't let your fear of what might happen make nothing happen. And that's Mm. why I started my company. You know, that's why years ago when I got asked by Equinox to, oh, well, you need to sign exclusive for three years or you have to leave. Mm. That at that point in my life was, I felt detrimental. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't have a job. Am I going to leave Equinox, which was end all be all of the fitness scene. Mm -hmm. Boutique studios didn't even exist in New York City at the time. You created the Drench program for them. Created Drench for Equinox which was unbelievable, had an amazing run. And that's 
once they saw the success of that, who wouldn't want to lock somebody in and doing it? Sure. And at that time, I had to make a hard decision, but I was like, I'm still young. I have so much more to give. This mm-hmm. is not the only modality that I want to create. Like the sky's the limit for me. That's what I felt at the time. And still to this day, I feel at 34 years later that I'm just beginning my career and I don't want to stop anything that I'm doing and be put into a box. So at that time, like I was saying, Equinox was a very hard decision for me and I ultimately decided to leave. I had no place to go. But I think once again, I just had to stick by the motto of like something else is gonna open up. And I always think of life as like a bubble. When some when your bubble is consumed with something, some kind of negativity, some kind of energy that shouldn't be there, you have to clear that energy out to allow other energy to come in. And I think that also comes back from my island roots and from where I, how I grew up. And like going back to your original question about the energy, I think if people take the time to come to see me at 6 a.m. in the morning and there's 60 people in class, I for sure can go to bed at 7 p.m. the night before and deliver the best 6 a.m. class that they've ever had. And that's why I think I've gained the following that I have is because no matter how I'm feeling, if something's going on in my life, I use that just as much as my therapy as the clients I hope feel like they're getting from me mm-hmm. whenever they leave a class. And that's also why I do the quotes. I do a different quote every single day to every single class. I have a different intention for every class. What was today's quote? Today's quote was actually opportunity. It was about opportunities. So every single sprint, every single run, every single move was a different opportunity. Mm -hmm. That opportunities aren't given to you every single day. They're never guaranteed. That was my thought of the day. So it was like, if you're here, these 30 seconds are never coming back. The 10 seconds that just passed, you're never getting those back ever. This is another opportunity. You have five opportunities to sprint today. What, where are you going to push that sprint? Maybe it's not pace. Maybe it's mental capacity. Maybe it's not the length of your stride. Maybe it's the stride of your arms. Yeah. So it's giving them those things to think about that they could take with them and put them in some other way of life. So it was like all, I love giving those kind of ideas to people that they wouldn't necessarily think of. And that's another reason why I think people come back to me is because I give them food for thought. I don't ever want my energy to go away. I love, like, in Hawaii, we woke up at 4 a.m. Like, wow. people are like, you're on vacation. Why are you up so early? I don't want to... Things aren't guaranteed. Tomorrow's right. not guaranteed. We right. live in a very crazy world now. So it's like, I always think about those things. In Hawaii, we get up at 4 a.m. We go to the gym in the morning. I'd run for six miles every morning. We'd go to the gym. Then we were up for sunrise. Yeah, it's about controlling those things that you yes. can control and not worrying yeah. too much about the things you can't. So... You, you touched on so many different points there. I know, I, that was a lot. I, I want to, no, it's great. I actually, I want to unpack all of them or as much as we can get to. Um, one thing that I, I want to kind of get straight to right now, just because it's such an incredible story and then we can get to some of the other things, is your weight loss. Yeah. So, I mean, you were 300 pounds yeah. plus, right? Yeah. Um, take me back to, you know, which part of your life was this? Uh, did you really kind of grow up up until that point at that weight, more or less, uh, on that track? And then... What was that that rock bottom moment where you just realized, you know, something has to change? Yeah. So I definitely didn't grow up like that. Um, And it's crazy because in Hawaii, even going back now, I see so many kids that are, which is just a way of life in Hawaii. Like rice is a staple. Spam is a staple. Like soy sauce and ketchup are staples Mm -hmm. in everyone's home Mm -hmm. in Hawaii. So I definitely didn't grow up like that. It was a staple in my family too, but we definitely were active. Um... A lot of it had to deal, 
majority of my weight came with my sexuality. Like I said, I was I was born and raised in a Catholic family. The, our religion was huge to us. Every Sunday we'd be, every holiday, we were ready, we were dressed. As a family, we went to church. And I think being taught your entire life that being gay wasn't accepted um, really was hard for me as a kid because I knew my entire life. I just knew I had to fit into what society thought is normal um, at that time. And so I became obsessed with eating. For me, it was so easy because once again, going back to control, I could control the questions people would ask me. People wouldn't ask me questions if I was fat, why I was single. So I eat and eat and eat. So I didn't have to answer questions. My college year, I went to a conservatory, Shenandoah Conservatory for opera. And easily in my first six months, 60 pounds, easily. Wow. Huge, like just the calf was my best friend. The cafeteria was literally my best. I would eat anything all the time. Hmm. Not a package of Easy Mac, a popcorn sized bowl of the entire box. Not a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, two or three, like in a sitting. Because I just knew that if I put this weight on, it was my safety blanket. I wouldn't have to answer questions to anyone. I wouldn't have to answer if I was gay or not. I just seen my sister who came out to our family, who's the oldest, like kind of be pushed away a little bit, mm. who was my best friend. So it was like, okay, I don't want to answer any of these questions. So gained all this weight. And then I went I went home for Christmas and my mom and my dad were like, what the hell happened? And for me, it was like, ah, oh, it's working. Like, great, <laughs> you know, not even thinking about it. And it put me even more of a deeper depression mm. and I started eating even more. So at school, no one really cared. I think people, because I was with them every day, gradually you don't see somebody right. and be like, oh, they're getting fatter every day, you know? Right. They're picking up more weight. So then it was when I went to an audition and I went and sang and everyone was like, which I got a scholarship for in college, it was my voice. Hmm. I didn't have to dance or anything. And went and sang and they're like, oh, can you stay for the movement call? And I was like, "What? where are we? What's the movement call? <laughs> and I was wearing a suit. Yeah. And I stayed for the movement call. And I kid you not, the first eight counts, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Legit. I didn't know what was happening with my body. I think my body didn't know what was happening with my body. Yeah. Because I picked up the weight so fast. And then I was trying to move, which I didn't move at all. I mean, I'd walk up and down the hills, which I knew I was short of breath. Um. And afterwards, the producer stayed, pulled me aside and was like, we love your voice. Like, love your voice. What do you want to do with performing? And I was like, I want to, like, this is my passion. Like, I love performing. He was like, if you're going to be in theater, like, you have to be able to move. Like, you have to lose weight. And at that time, I thought, like, you. Like, I don't need to move anywhere. My scholarship, I didn't have to move. Mm -hmm. The naivete of myself was like, oh, I don't need to move in I don't need to move anywhere. I can sing opera for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Like vocal performance major. Now, when I went back to college, I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. I'm going to eat more. I went in even darker depression. And then I went to another audition and I got hired as a fat character. Literally. The description, the character's name was Patch and he was a fat slob. That was the description type oh, man. for the character. Those words will probably stay with me. 
even though it was a character description, it still depicted exactly where I was in my life, mm -hmm. like where the road I was heading down. So I had to digest what the director had previously told me for the other show and be like, he's being honest. Like at least someone's being honest to you, you know, that they're telling you that in theater, you, you're going to have to be physically able to move. So I started working at a gym, Gold's Gym, as the juice bar boy. Hmm. Um, and being around fitness, I was like, you know what? I can do this. Was doing the show. With the show, I was moving around. So I started losing weight. My body wasn't used to moving like that. So I was losing weight, wearing prosthetics, wearing heavy costumes. That summer, the weight shut off. And I went back to school. And everyone was like, what happened? How much would you say you lost in that summer? Easily the 60 pounds I put on. Wow. Easily. In the course of three months. And how At your peak, how heavy were you? Peak was like 320, 327. And now you're at? 185. Wow. Um, but even at 185, I still know exactly what it felt right. like to walk around. Mm -hmm. I still mentally know exactly what it felt like. I think that was the biggest thing for me after losing the weight, which I continued to lose on and on. You know, I started working for Gold Gyms then as the juice bar boy. Then became a trainer, started teaching classes there. It was like such a progression in my life. Then found this passion for fitness that I never thought that I had. And I think for me, it, the mental capacity is still there of a heavy person mm -hmm. daily. It's something that I don't think will ever go away. Even when I, you know, even when I get accolades and things that I would have never ever thought in my life oh you're the abs guy for self magazine mm -hmm. where in my life did i ever think that that was going to be who i was mm -hmm. ever but i think my mental capacity even when i train people now is i call everyone athletes you know that mm -hmm. that's just a thing that i've always done when i was heavy i was an athlete i closed my eyes i was an athlete my mental capacity was that of an athlete I knew I could get there. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how yet. When I train clients, everyone, there are athletes of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, different backgrounds. People didn't know about my weight loss until, because I was ashamed about my weight mm -hmm. loss. Then a mentor of mine, years ago when I was at Equinox, was like, tell me your story. Started telling the story. He was like, that's so powerful. Like, why don't you talk about this? And this is when I was teaching Drenched. And that was, I was like, prime of my fitness then and he's like you've got to start sharing this story like the fact that people don't know this about you and this is what you look like is crazy and for me it was i was always ashamed like who's going to take me seriously in the fitness industry because i allowed myself mm -hmm. to get heavy i wasn't always heavy i allowed myself i knew what i was doing i knew i was becoming addicted to food so it was like, who's gonna take me seriously? But then when I thought the way he was thinking about it, it was like, this really could be a powerful thing for people mm -hmm. to hear. And it's a beautiful thing too, when I get to train clients that are a little bit heavier and they don't know my background, when it's their breaking point of like, don't tell me to do another crunch, mm -hmm. that's when I let them in on the secret that they don't know about myself because I needed that. So you actually save it as a yeah, I'm secret like, weapon. This is what it is. Don't tell me you can't do this. Like, I'm going to show you you can do this if you stay with me. And that's why I bring to the table 
150% every single day. Yeah, and why I wake up at 4 a.m. and why I'm up at 4, people are like, why are you up two hours before you teach? Mm-hmm. I turn on music, my neighbors probably hate me. I turn on music, I turn on all my lights, and literally I cook breakfast at 4 a.m., I'm going, I'm like, yo, hype yourself up, no one else is gonna do it. And that's why if I'm gonna come to a studio and 60 people are taking the time to see me, I'm gonna make sure I'm making the time to give them the best experience that they can have. Yeah, it seems like you've, you've always been very focused from what I could tell on you know the experience of the person you're training yeah. with and the, and the group. One thing I wanna ask you about, because I have a bit of a, a theory here is, you started your weight loss when you were still performing, right? So yeah. you said those first 60 pounds basically slid right off yeah. because you hadn't been doing anything. Um, but then when you transitioned to Gold's Gym and you were the guy behind the juice bar, you know, now all of a sudden you're in a different industry yeah. um, and the weight continues to come off. But was helping with other people and helping people kind of achieve their goals at all a motivating or helping factor for you in achieving your own goals? Absolutely. I think till this day, pe- my clients push me. My clients push me to one, constantly change up modality, constantly bring a different level of my personal self to the workouts, Mm -hmm. challenging myself to make sure that they're not doing static workouts. Um, Personally, I work out two hours a day. To this day, I still work out two hours a day. I'll make the time for myself. They push me to go, like, I don't wanna tell, I don't want, them to feel like I'm pushing them and I'm so hard on them and I don't let them walk right. because I don't do it. I do it. Were there, if you can remember, one or two or even more things that had a, a marked difference, like things that you changed in your routine that definitely paid off, like unquestionable, like this was a factor in my weight Absolutely. loss? Absolutely. Um, was keeping a diary. Was mm. keeping a food log every single day. Now, not necessarily would I not eat, the things that I wanted to eat, I would eat them, but seeing them written down mm-hmm. was very different than just consuming them. Yep. Saying I had to write down a four ounce thing of guacamole, which was the whole thing, was very different than writing down one ounce. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a major thing. You got a paper trail all of yes. a sudden. <laughs> so now seeing it in front of me, do I need four ounces of guacamole and chips? No. Do I need a whole bag of chips? Definitely not. Can I moderate things? Absolutely. Same with finding healthier, and the second thing will be finding healthier ways of eating things that I love. So I love peanut butter and jelly. Do I need white wonder bread with sugar jam and full fat peanut butter? Absolutely don't. Could I make it with a flaxseed wrap? Could I make it with almond butter? And could I make it with sugar-free preserves? Absolutely could. Does it taste different? Will it take a second for me to adjust? Of course it will. Is it gonna take me quite some years to adjust to this new body that I'm giving myself? Sure will. <laughs> so it's like, those were two of probably the biggest steps that I've ever done. And I learned the diary thing from my first trainer, Wynette, who, holla if you listen in, Wynette at American Family Fitness. And her mentality was, keep the log, just letting you know, if you do have brownies, tomorrow you're coming in and working off the brownies. That's it. Yeah. Have the brownie. Enjoy it. I know you have a sweet tooth, which I still to this day have, but you're going to work it off tomorrow. No complaints. If I tell you you're running 30 minutes on the treadmill, you're running 30 minutes on the treadmill. No complaints. So I brought that to clients that I started to train. Oh, I don't want to run today. Well, then I don't want to train you. (laughs) Totally cool. Simple. Simple. Perfect. I didn't come to you. You came to me. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to give you the tools that I've learned so that you can reach your goal. 
Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is just commitment. Everyone always can find an excuse. Oh, I'm on holiday. Just like I was saying, I'm on holiday. I can't work out. I literally get a month gym membership when I go to Hawaii. Hmm. I pay for one month. Even if I'm there for a week, I pay for one month. And I pay. I'll literally go the first day, get in the car, go right to the spots, sign up, know that it's done. I have no no excuses. Then I have to go. I have to make myself accountable. And that gym membership to me is making myself accountable. Um, a lot of people listening to this will either be entrepreneurs or be those people stuck, as you said, working for the man yep. and kind of looking at the other side of the window like grass is always greener out there. Given that you prepare so much for everything, when you kind of took the leap out of, uh, let's say, being in the Equinox family mm -hmm. or, or maybe Golds before that, how did you prepare for that? Because going on your own and getting out of a payroll department, like out of health insurance, I mean, seriously, like mm -hmm. it's, it's scary. Yeah. How did you sort of come up to that ledge and how did you get over it? I think there was no prep. I don't think there was. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't think there was any prep. I think it takes a certain person. I think it takes a certain personality and it takes a certain mindset. I think everyone intuitively has the mindset. Certain people use the mindset. So I think for me, jumping off the ledge, once I did it once, oh, it was free falling for the rest. I was ready to jump every time. Everything that came my way, whether when I, you know, when I left Barry's for the first time, well, didn't leave actually. I still taught there, but I started my own company. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was like, what the hell am I doing? And I turned down the opportunity at first to start Psych. Because I just was like, I'm at the top of my career in New York City. Like, I don't need to go anywhere. And then my agent at the time was like, step back. What else is there that you want to do? Like, mm -hmm. this isn't it. You don't just want to do this. There's something else you want to do. And at that time, it was so true. I was 29. I was like, you're so right. Went back, then started Psych. Five years later settled out of psych and then was like, you know what, what else do I want to do now? And I was just saying like, there are so many more things that I want to do. How am I going to get there? No idea how I'm going to get there. Do I think they're going to happen? Absolutely. I think they're definitely going to happen, but I think it's just making them happen and going in the mindset that it's happened. So many people nowadays, especially in the training world, even at Barry's, a lot of our Barry's family, some of the new trainers, they're from corporate. They're from fine finance you know oh, yeah. finance and they didn't know what to do they took berries they loved it how do i even get started in this how do i do i get certified like what do i do do i audition like what are the steps you do and i think it's just making that step making the initial step to say i'm done doing this this is where i want to go now now how do i get from point a to point Z. What are the steps I personally need to take? Everyone else's journey is so different. Mm -hmm. Your journey is different from mine. If you were to become a trainer, it'd be totally different. But I think that's the amazing thing about the training field is that there is so, there's so much oversaturation of modalities, oh, yeah. of methods, of studios, of trainers, that there's room for everyone. You're not competing. The only person I compete with every single morning is the person that I look at myself in the mirror with. That is the only person. Other people teach, great, their classes are full, amazing. I'm so happy for you, that's amazing because you're doing a damn good job. I'm worried about myself. I'm worried about coming in there and delivering what I know I'm capable of delivering. And I think that's the same thing with making that jump. It's just once you jump, there's, a, there's nothing that's gonna stop you from jumping again and again and again. And I think that's the awesome thing about life is you never know when 
it's going to be your time to do something different. I don't think training is my last occupation. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, so it's just the beginning again. <laughs> of course, it's always the beginning of something new. right? Yeah. And I think when you are, you know, freelance or just self-employed, you always do have that freedom to take whatever, take on whatever project you want. Yeah. But you also run the risk of taking on projects that maybe you shouldn't take on. Yes. Um, so when it comes to, you know, your, your professional life and, you know, deciding what projects to take on and not take on, even there, you seem to have a very strong true north. Like, mm-hmm. you know what Keone is and what the Keone brand is, the Keone person is, and what products would make sense for that person. But how do you keep that north pointing north? Like, is there, you mentioned you go back to Hawaii to recharge. Mm-hmm. Do you do things like, do you have a vision board? Do you meditate at all? Any, like, little tactics like that that you use to kind of there, stay true? I don't think there's any little tactics. I think it's just the power of the past. I'm such a believer in that. And by that, I mean... I will never post inauthentically who I am not. I'll never endorse anything that I don't believe in. You can offer me all the money in the world. If I don't endorse this and I don't personally use this or this personally did not make me the way that I am, I will never sign any check for that. But I want to be able to reach more people. It's the same on social media. People might not agree with the donuts that I'm posting on my post because I'm a fitness person. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you don't have to follow. It's like, I've always authentically been myself. I'm crazy. I wake up in the morning. I'm crazy. I do a video at 4 a.m. in the morning. This is what I look like. Not always put together. One eye is usually closed in the morning. Like, this is it. You know, I got acne cream on. Like, this is who I am. And so many times in this field, I think it's so common that people try to fit into the fitness. This is a fitness star. I think fitness stars come in every shape size some of the most successful fitness people i've ever had the honor of taking class with weren't a conventional fitness Mm. instructor i mean this seems like a great opportunity to speak to you know those people who maybe are at the beginning of where your journey started um maybe not necessarily overweight i mean it could be it could also be you know sexual orientation yeah i mean think about how you felt before you came out and fast forward to that muscle milk uh, ad that you did a couple was a couple months ago yeah if you want to just tell people what that ad was about why it was yeah. so powerful and then maybe speak to people who are listening to this and maybe haven't taken that first big important yeah. step yeah so i think that was an opportunity that i was beyond blown away that came my way and it actually came through social media they reached out to me through my instagram account and i was like oh this is a joke like this is not for a commercial and we're launching a new campaign. We can't really tell you any details. We'd love to fly out and meet you. So I'm like, okay. Met them for coffee. And their initial thing was, we just want to shoot you working out, drinking muscle milk, boom, boom, boom. Now the business side of me, which I'm constantly thinking like, how can I make an impact? Like how can I make an impact? Not only in classes, but how can I make an impact in my community, in the way people think? And I propositioned to them, like, have you seen my partner? We both work out all the time. Like, have you seen Brad? They're like, oh, yeah, we follow you on social media. (laughs) Like, he's beautiful. And I'm like, would you guys be open to doing an LGBT commercial about our love and what motivates us as a couple? We work out every day. I'm not wearing heels and glitter and, like, some people, small-minded people might think Mm -hmm. that the... LGBT community is, which is an amazing aspect of this community, but we are, we're people. Do you know what I'm saying? We deserve respect just like anyone else. We deserve the same 
lifestyle as other people are granted. We deserve the same rights as other people. And so once they took that, they were like, oh, well, we need to figure this out with the team. We don't know if we're ready to go in this direction. It was a very like, what do we do? Yeah. And it's the same even at Under Armour. It was tough there when I first joined the team. I was the only gay person, gay trainer at Under Armour. There were five of us, five trainers at that time. But that was interesting because I was training pro athletes. So what are you going to do? Is my sexuality going to make you not want me to train you? Because hmm. doubt that it's going to be a different thing than anything you've ever experienced. It's going to be exactly the same, if not better. So once Muscle Milk, we went back and forth, back and forth. We had tons of Skype conversations. Then we really nailed it down to this is what's going to be stronger every day. That was the campaign that they launched. And it was about being strong as an individual, being strong as individuals, then coming together and being stronger together. And I think they couldn't have caught it in a more beautiful light. They flew from New York to Hawaii um, and they're based out of Oregon. So all the producers, it was like the best of both worlds. They got us hiking. They got us in Hawaii. They got us doing our workouts in Hawaii. It was like, and that's something once again, that I get to look back and have a timepiece for myself and for my kids and for my family to look back and be like, this is something that I've accomplished that I would have never thought possible. But also it turned it around and it was able to have an impact. Now it got people talking, whether they liked it or they didn't, it got them talking. And that's the biggest thing in nowadays is so many people sit there mute mm -hmm. and they don't say anything. Why not say anything? And let me tell you something. I read some of these comments that were so appalling. Like, I will never drink muscle milk again, these faggots. Like, just things you would knew were coming. Mm -hmm. You knew they were out there. But you didn't think were going to be voiced or I wasn't going to see them. And let me tell you, I read them. And for me, it just showed me how far I've grown as an individual because that I was that guy when I wasn't out. Mm -hmm. I was the guy in high school calling gay people those names. And to this day, I still remember there's a mm -hmm. kid named Andy. I went up to him. I saw him at an audition and I apologized mm -hmm. because I was the guy that felt like he had to be that guy that was making fun of the gay kids. Like he had to fit into this clique and he had to fit into this mold. And now it was just kind of like a repaying myself and repaying people that I would have ever, ever said anything like that too. And bringing awareness to something that people that are closed minded and think that the LGBT community is only in one little bubble. We're not in a bubble. We have massive capacity, mm -hmm. you know, for amazing things. And I hope that I was able to bring some kind of awareness to the community. The thing that strikes me about that story, and it was a detail that I actually didn't know, was I, I had just assumed they came to you with the concept. No. And then you thought, you know, well, this is perfect. Um, no. But you just, you hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, it's about just voicing these things. Like yeah. things that so many of us think, and we just, we don't voice because we think someone else will do it. Right? Yeah. And now when, you know, as someone who is, an entrepreneur, you really have to look out for yourself. Yeah. And when a brand like Muscle Milk comes along, I mean, they're massive. Yeah. And they say, hey, we want to put you in a commercial. Here's what we want to pay you. Here's what it is. I mean, that's courage to say, like, yeah. that's great. Could we do something 3,000 times edgier than yeah. what you had in mind? Yeah. Um, and they could have paid me honestly nothing. Paying me is making an impact. That's paying me. It's being able to be a part of something big, bigger than myself bigger than anyone else, and to hit the nerve of people that are closed-minded, to hit that nerve 
is something that's paying me because it's bringing awareness for so many of the negative things that have been brought upon the community that people that don't speak, people that unfortunately take their lives because they don't speak. And I think it's just realizing that just because, let's say, it's a big company or a big brand or something, that doesn't mean you cannot move them. Absolutely like, not. And, you can, and it's all about the tact and your, the way you do things. I mean, the fact that you were able to influence this, you know, this piece of media that was really got like a ton of views and yeah. it, was, it was beautifully made. You know, the message was very clear, um, obviously like a personal triumph as well. But the fact that you can, you can create something like that just by voicing an opinion, you know, yeah. that, that you inside know is the correct. Yeah. No. And they could have said no. Could have said no, but for the rest of my life, I guarantee you, I would regret never asking. Do you have a, a personal mantra or any mantras that you? you oh know, my god, I have so many. Let's, let's hear them. Um, and also, the second part of that is when do you use them? How do you use them? Yeah. So I think my own personal mantras, once again, was don't let your fear of what might happen make nothing happen. Another one is life, and this is just growing up in Hawaii. Life is so much like the ocean; you can't stop the waves from coming, but you can choose which ones to surf. And I'm such a believer in like, it goes back to even opportunities that present themselves. I am so honored for all these unbelievable opportunities that present themselves. If I truly don't believe in them, I will not surf them. So that's huge for me. Um, and anytime, anytime in life, like when things are brought up to me that I necessarily don't agree on, I, I voice myself. That's a wave that I'm glad to surf even down to the subway. And this just recently happened. I was on the subway and this mother, they clearly were not from New York City and her two gorgeous daughters look like they, personally look like they came from an affluent family, beautiful. There was a transgender woman on the same subway car. The mother and the daughters are literally talking about these, this transgender woman who might not even be hearing them. Yeah, but I'm standing next to them talking about this transgender woman laughing at her taking photos the mom's sitting there posing this subway so the girls can take photos past her and i literally am like oh god this is gonna happen like my blood is boiling and i just took my earphones out which my music wasn't on and i was like you should honestly be so ashamed and she's like what and i'm like you should be so ashamed and the girl the daughters were like don't talk to our mom and i'm like no, the fact that you're doing that in front of your daughters is so appalling. You're in the melting pot of the universe called New York City that you chose to come to on a vacation with your family because you knew it was a melting pot of opportunity. And you're going to ridicule somebody else for the lifestyle that they're choosing to live. And it's like, it just goes back to that. That's things that, that's a wave I'm going to surf every single day. And I'm going to speak up for myself and so common that people don't speak up and they sit there quiet and today is the day folks to like it is it's the day to speak up it's the day to say something whether it be a commercial or spinning a view of something mm -hmm. or waking up and looking at yourself in the mirror and speaking up to yourself and saying that you are worth this and that it's time to do this and that you are going to make this change in your life whether it be physically whether it be a job like you're worth it have a voice you have one that's why you're given one you're not little mermaid she taking your voice box <laughs> which is actually a, a great segue and i promise this is one of the last questions because i do need to we be to, we respectful this, of your we time we can do this all day i know that's the problem um talking about voices talking about you know people hearing your voice i'm curious in whose voice so to speak you listen to what what's one of your favorite books you've read and when you're sitting at your computer maybe eating some lunch what sites blogs things are you going to so i think i'm constantly i love just 
I follow people on Instagram that one have beautiful imagery. That's definitely something for me. And it's not just physical imagery, like fit bodies. It's destinations I'd love to travel to. It's quotes I love. It's I love stuff like that. But it's also my hashtag is part of your part of my tribe. That's my hashtag, which I've had forever. And that came from a mentor of mine, Kelly Katrin, who became a client of mine. She had a book called If You Have to Go Out, If You Have to Cry, Go Outside. It was a New York Times bestseller. And in her book, she talks about her tribe. You can know everyone in the world. They're not all your friends. You need a tribe of people that will have your back regardless when you have that voice and you speak up, they're gonna support you. They disagree with you, they're still supporting you, they disagree with you. So I think it's finding that tribe and surrounding yourself with that and knowing that this is, like these are the people that are gonna have your back regardless of what it is. So I think that's an amazing thing to just step forward to and find the knowledge of those people. So. I, uh, that was one of the books that I absolutely love. Uh, if you have to cry, go outside. And then the other one would be Traveler's Gift, which my father gave me. And it was something that when I first read, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be literally be a Jesus book. Like, oh God, this is going to be horrible. But it was so cool to go in and read this book. And it was about interviewing the great people of our time and Frank. It was about interviewing those people and getting their perspective of what they saw when they were in what they were in. Now it was a fictional book, but it was cool to get the mind working of like who these great people are and how they ended up where they were. Because I think that's something that daily, I, I think about A to Z. How can I get from A to Z? How many hours do I have? And let me tell you, I utilize every second of my day. Literally, I mean, I messaged you today. I'm gonna be done at 1:30. I think I can be there by 2:15. Do you want to do 2:15? Like that's literally how how I work. Um, but also growing up, a huge mentor of mine, and this might sound so cheesy, was Oprah. Literally every day at four o'clock. Actually, I, if you look under your seat right now, there's a. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Shut up. <laughs> there's a car. You get a car. Um, no, I think was Oprah. And I think being able to grow up with somebody who was not white, who was not fit per se, she went through her yo-yo dining, she spoke openly about it, who brought every type of person on her show and showing me a different life other than the life that I was currently living Mm -hmm. and letting me step outside of the box and join somebody else's life. um, I thought was unbelievable. Like I have every box set of Oprah. It's very crazy, but... (laughs) Also, it's like she's set herself up for success. Like, I think things were literally handed to her because she was the one who was deserving of the things that were handed to Mm -hmm. her. And so when things happen now, that's exactly the way that I look at things. Like, things aren't handed to me that I can't handle. I can handle anything that's handed to me. I've handled weight loss. I've handled my sexuality. I've handled job stuff. Like, I can handle anything that comes my way. And I think, once again, it goes back to you personally are only given this those are just things that i think only i was given because only i can handle them well kiani this has been an incredible conversation um i definitely am trying to be mindful of your time here as well because i know that we could talk forever we literally um can. but everyone listening if you are in new york city or end up in new york city please you have to go check out kiani's class at barry's boot camp and uh he teaches all of them <laughs> i'm just kidding but every single day it, it feels like he teaches all of them because exactly. he teaches so many um you can also find him on instagram at kiani hudoba and we will leave it there. Kiyoni, thank you so much for coming on the show. Mahalo so much for having me. Thank you. 
That was Men's Health brand editor Dean Statman speaking with Keone Hudoba, a master trainer at Barry's Boot Camp in New York City. You can find links to stories Keone has done for Men's Health at menshealth.com slash audio. And that is it for this week's show. I'm your host, Brian Dalek. This episode was produced by Sylvia Ryerson and Christine Fennessy. Be sure to join us next week for an interview with a track and field powerhouse who has a particular knack for the pole vault and who also happens to be, get this, 83 years old. You won't want to miss this interview. See you next week.